So you always want to be prepared to... To set goals. To be really disruptive. Diversity is fundamental. It is just trusting those super strengths. To recover from those failures and, and learn from them. Humility looks like the softest word, but it's kind of the hardest. We ourselves are in beta mode. Life goes on. Sporting Edge, inside the mind of champions. Welcome to the Inside the Mind of Champions podcast. My name is Jeremy Snape. I'm a former England cricketer with a master's degree in sports psychology. Since retiring, I've been fortunate to work with and interview some of the world's most successful thinkers and performers. And I'm passionate about translating their habits and routines into practical strategies to help you become more successful. In each episode, I'll be dissecting a common performance challenge to help you improve your mindset, your leadership and your team performance. To me, our mindset is the next frontier. So let's find out why. Hello and welcome to this episode of Inside the Mind of Champions. I really hope you're well wherever you're listening in from. And thanks to everyone who shared the Dr. Kate Hayes episode. We've had some brilliant feedback from people looking to support their business teams to get the right culture of toughness and tenacity, but also that psychological safety that we need for innovation for the year ahead. So thanks so much for that. I have to mention the cricket and say well done to the Aussies. If the players and management are listening, then well done. You completely outgunned England. Uh, For our boys, it's just about using that pain of defeat to make some changes and make some progress now. And if you're a cricket fan and you want to understand a little bit more about the mindset of those elite performers, then you can go to LinkedIn uh, on my Jeremy Snape LinkedIn feed where you've got uh, the link to the five videos I created with BT Sport. They're six or seven minute features exploring the psychology of cricket and high performance. So really powerful with all the match footage in there. So go to LinkedIn if you want to look at those features. And also I posted on LinkedIn a few uh, questions about new themes people might like for the year ahead. So uh, I want this to be more like a coaching resource for you than me just waffling on about what I think is important. So um, it'd be great to hear what you'd like me to dive into Um, in the coming months. Suzanne Henderson from EDF Energy kicked us off saying, Hi Jeremy, always enjoy your podcast. How about something on creating a culture of empowerment? So that's great. Thanks Suzanne. I'm sure we can tackle that and it's really important as we work remotely. So a really important topic and thanks for sharing that. I've been pondering today's episode a little bit and I wouldn't say it's my clearest vision and plan for a podcast but it's what I feel. So I hope you can connect with the key sentiments and it helps. This time of year is usually all about being fresh and revitalised, but I have to say I haven't felt that yet this year. I've spoken to lots of my friends and corporate clients and they feel the same. It's like the fog hasn't cleared yet to reveal a bright new year. I know we've just had Blue Monday in the calendar, but I don't really subscribe to that kind of thing. I think it's just a marketing hook. But I do appreciate that we have some periods in our week, our month or our year where we feel like we're moving into a headwind and it just feels tougher than other times. For me personally, the holiday was much needed and I made some changes to my lifestyle and working rhythm that I intended to. But I haven't had the full energy to do dry January, veganuary or new year, new me. 
And as I scroll through the social media posts of motivational influencers eating their celery sticks while they do their Tai Chi, for some reason it all just feels a little bit sickly at the moment. So good for them if they can plan it, do it and post it, but I'm sliding under the radar a little bit this year with my goals. I started to consider why 2022 might still be loading, why so many of us are feeling like we've uh, got that buffering wheel that's going on our computer screens without the new page or the new year refreshing and loading. Well, part of it could stem from what we did last year. It's normal to smash ourselves and to complete our to-do list and our project lists before a holiday. We do that every time in the summer and also in November and December, safe in the knowledge that we're about to dive nose first into this magical cosy blanket of mince pies, mulled wine and cheesy Christmas hits, only to re-emerge a few weeks later. Somehow we forward plan all our saintly behaviours for the moment the clock clicks over at midnight on the 1st of January. And then we wake up on New Year's Day with the sense of anticlimax, the dread of the impending marathon of challenges and epic to-do lists that we thought would be great to defer until next year. It's madness, isn't it, really? We have a whole year to do these things and make these changes. What's the difference between the 12th of December and the 1st of January? But we delay everything until this all-important start of the new calendar year and now we think we're going to do all of them with the best intentions and the best self-discipline all in a month in January. So maybe this all or nothing approach is actually part of the problem and our January fuzziness and lack of motivation is actually the legacy from last year's over intensity. We worked so hard after an already tough year that we were running on fumes and perhaps we were too tired to switch off, too fatigued to refresh. Maybe the new era of working from home The idea of months of obsessive work followed by comatose holidays is the wrong thing and we need a much more balanced approach. Our members club theme for this week is around self-care. So we've got some really interesting discussion points in the forum from people just coming up with their own thoughts. It often seems selfish to put ourselves and our own energy first, but if we're going to be of any use to anyone in our community and our family in the coming months, then we desperately need to prioritise our own well-being and energy so that we can be energetic and balanced in our perspectives and advice and impact in the workplace. One of the insights that we've been discussing in the Members Club is a ballerina, Victoria Marr, talking about the toll that the back-to-back shows for weeks on end took on her and how a simple daily self-care strategy has made a massive difference to her perspective and motivation. We've had a range of senior leaders investing in our members club for their teams so that they can share and learn from these amazing coaching strategies in there. Don't forget that if you want to get access to it, you can join absolutely free by using the code podcast100 with no spaces in the checkout. So go to sportingedge.com, find the members club and just use podcast100 in the checkout. There's no credit card. There's no sales hounding. There's absolutely no, no downside. I hope you'll join for a while, but if you don't, then that's absolutely fine. But I'd love you to come and see what we've created and we can learn our way out of this challenging time together. According to the World Health Organization, burnout happens when work-related stress isn't managed successfully. 
They say it's got three dimensions. Feelings of energy depletion or exhaustion, increased mental distance, negativity or cynicism towards our job, and reduced professional efficacy or the feeling that we can cope and make an impact. And after the understandable rises of burnout being reported in 2020, there was further uplift in burnout records in 2021. The American Psychological Association's 2021 Work and Wellbeing Survey looked at adult workers across the US and found that 79% of employees had experienced work-related stress in the month before their survey. And nearly three in five employees reported negative impacts of work-related stress, including a lack of interest, motivation or energy, and a lack of effort at work. Meanwhile, 36% reported cognitive weariness, 32% said they were emotionally exhausted, and an astounding 44% reported physical fatigue, which was 38% up on the previous year. So there's been a toxic mix of individuals working from home, which blurs that work-life balance and means we're always contactable, not experiencing the same social and lifestyle releases and connections that we would normally have had, and also an increase in businesses looking to change and transform their strategy at the same time. There's so much uncertainty in that wider climate, and, and it's just taken its toll, a subtle toll, but it's tightened its grip week by week. So the old model of working hard and then recovering isn't going to work. I wrote an article for People Management magazine uh, recently about why mental health days are the wrong answer to the right question for businesses. I've added the link in the show notes. But we don't want people to work to exhaustion so that they're emotionally and creatively spent and then signal for an emergency day off because they just can't cope. Now that's if they're brave enough to be able to ask for it and their culture supports it. So as an emergency measure, it's fine. But we definitely need a more balanced and proactive approach to managing our energy, which means taking our holidays for fun and for exploration, not to avoid hospitalisation. So maybe this year, our primary New Year's resolution should be having a proactive plan to avoid personal burnout. Maybe you or your company are thinking about your new working rhythm for 2022. One of my resolutions this year is to be more proactive and take more time off as we progress through the year, not to save it up in some epic binge and bust cycle, because as I've just mentioned, I don't think that's helping the situation of gradual fatigue and burnout building up. I also want to proactively book in some time with my mates that I haven't seen for ages. I know we all became hermits through forced lockdowns, But there's a danger definitely for me that I just carry on with that and don't break out and get to meet my mates. A new year definitely is a great time to reassess and make some tweaks and changes for the year ahead. But we've got to get things in balance. Our recent members Q&A session with Dr Kate Hayes, the lead psychologist for Team GB, made me reflect on a number of points. And one of them was the decompression sessions that they run with the athletes and teams following the crescendo of the games. For all sorts of reasons, with the delay, the uncertainty and the biosecure bubbles, the recent games would have been more challenging than most. But she said that everyone involved, after delivering their very best work for an extended period, 
with such intense focus, needed time to reflect. Now, actively processing the emotional toll that the games had is usually something more than we'd expect. We'd expect them to review their performance. But actively processing this emotional roller coaster that they'd been on, that's really, really important. But it's hard enough to reflect on our performances, let alone those intangible emotional costs of their determination and their efforts and their tenacity in periods of turbulence and uncertainty. But maybe we should be doing the same. We may not be Olympic athletes, but have we processed the emotional turbulence of the last few years? Maybe one of the reasons that we might be struggling to set or stick to our New Year's resolutions is that we're still processing the emotional costs of the last few years. It feels like we're wading through treacle with a bag of sand on our backs. The changes of recent months have been done to us. Some of you listening have lost loved ones, no doubt. You might have lost your job. You might have missed the chance to celebrate key life moments with friends such as marriages or the birth of your children. You might have missed the chance to travel or engage with your favourite hobbies. Now in context, if we have our own health, we should be grateful, of course. But that's not to say that the pandemic hasn't created an emotional shadow. We know that we need to be stoic, but is just putting a brave face on, allowing us to process what's gone on and to jettison the sandbags. There's a big difference between experiencing change when you're leading it as opposed to when change is done to you. So moving jobs or moving homes when circumstances force you to and you have to change, that feels very, very different. I interviewed Campbell McPherson, whose book, The Change Catalyst, is a great framework for navigating change. His insight explains the emotional process that we go through when change is forced upon us. When people resist uh, change, they've got to remember sort of three things, really. One, that all change is is, is emotional, as we we were uh, talking about. And when change is done to someone, they actually go through what uh, Professor... Uh, Kubler-Ross back in 1974, a Swiss psychiatrist, called the change curve or the grief curve, as she would have called it in her book uh, on death and dying, was about, about how people emotionally react to the death of a loved one. And the same thing happens in business or in personal life. When big change is done to you, the, it's, it's a very predictable and, and emotional roller coaster uh, that you actually go on. And the first Uh, experience that you have, the first reaction to big change that's done to you is actually shock. So you shock, you just can't believe this has happened. And and then you move down the curve to to denial. You just this isn't happening. This this change is simply not, not going to happen. When when it comes to organizational change, you, you find that 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 a person will be in denial and, and, and just waiting for the leaders to change their mind and realise that the organisational change is ridiculous. And of course, when they don't change their minds, then what happens to us is that we go into anger. Uh, then we go into fear. And then we end up at the bottom of, the, of this trough in, in a state of depression. Now, and that depression can actually be genuinely depressed, uh, and that's where victimhood lies as well, which is, is something to be, uh, uh, is to be um, 
uh, averted. Uh, but that depression can be real. If you've ever been made redundant or if you've ever lost a loved one or you, you know, you've been made divor divorced, then it hits you like, like a blow to the solar plexus. Uh, and it's real depression that, that people actually feel. So what I tell leaders is that you've got to understand that these are the changes. When you force big changes upon people, these are the, these are the, the emotions uh, the, 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 that your people are experiencing. And, and understand they're going through anger, they're going through fear, they're going to be depressed. But it's a healthy curve. You know, grief is healthy. There's a reason we say that. And when it comes to organizational change or, or business change, grief is also healthy. So it's healthy to get down into that so that you can then start to move on. And you start to move on first with your head. So you start to, to understand that this change has happened and actually I have alternatives. And then your heart starts to actually accept and then you can go, yes, I do have alternatives and I can be moving on and then you can move on. But you have to go through that emotional roller coaster when big change is, is done to you. It, it's normal and it's natural. So as much as I'd like to be motivational today, I think it's just as important that we look into this deeper story. Are we frustrated? Are we angry? Are we grieving our loved ones or the life we thought we would have had over the last few years? It's really important that we acknowledge these challenges before we start to set these tactics and goals that are going to make 2022 even better. I personally feel like I've been queuing up for months and then held back at the doorway from an amazing party where all the fun is. It's not number 10 Downing Street, by the way. And I'm patiently and politely waiting my turn. Now, as brilliant as the Brits are at queuing, I'm getting a little bit pissed off and I want to crack on. So inventing a transformational new year, new me lifestyle system seems a bit strained for me this year. But that's not to say we shouldn't be setting goals and trying to chase them down. We probably just need to make a few minor tweaks. So the same principles of goal setting apply that you will have heard in previous episodes. We need to set that inspirational end state. What do we want it to look like and feel like when we achieve this special goal? What behaviours and habits do we need to repeat day after day in order to make more sales, to lose weight, to save money or to learn a new skill? And how will we build accountability around those behaviours? How will we know when we're getting better? Is it a tick chart on the calendar, a progression in our distance walked each day? Either way, we need to be able to see and celebrate the small green shoots of growth and progress. Then the fourth thing is about what happens when we feel tempted to revert back? How do we prevent that? For example, not ordering our online food when we're absolutely starving at home because we're much more likely to make poor choices with sugary foods going into the online basket. Or how do we meet a mate for a walk rather than going to the pub? so that we can avoid the crisps and beers. These kind of um, tactics to avoid temptation and give yourself the best chance are important in anyone's goal setting. And then we've got to think about the social environment. Who will you hang around with? Our self-discipline will definitely fatigue if we go out every night with the feral sinners in our network. We need to be out with the evening joggers the vegan cookers or the pure gang, the Amish role models who won't lead us astray. As the saying goes, 
you'll become most like the five people you spend your time with. So choose wisely, especially around your New Year's goals. So that's the habit master plan. But as we've said, we may already be running on fumes. So to expect a perfect delivery of the plan would be Herculean at the moment. We're also human and we need to go easy on ourselves, especially at the moment if we relapse or make a mistake to our perfect and pristine plan on the wall chart. Dr. Jonathan Fader is a high performance psychologist from New York and his insight gives us a great technique if we relapse. Well, the reason people fall back into old patterns of behavior is because they're people. Uh, we as people fall back into patterns of behavior and um, we're, we're fallible. The real question I think uh, you're asking, and I'm, uh, I think is, why do they stay in that position where they've fallen back? So um, we all set goals for ourselves. We're coming up on the New Year's here. Everybody's gonna put all these, these New Year's resolutions together. Hey, I should do this. I should really do this different thing with my team. That's great. I think what helps people to, to, to avoid what we call relapse is knowing what you're gonna do if you get off course. Oftentimes we have a plan of what we're gonna do to change our behavior, but no plan if it doesn't work out. So what we know from science is there's a thing called the abstinence violation effect. Uh, a mentor of mine, Alan Marlat, talks a lot about this in the book on relapse prevention. And the whole idea about relapse prevention is people are, need to prepare themselves for what to do if they're in a high risk situation. This is true in sports for sure, and it's true in business. We, we, we often worry about a negative outcome, but we don't prepare for what we're gonna do internally should it occur. So we say, oh shoot, if this happens, if I, if I, you know, if I don't score here, that's gonna be bad. And we think about it in this kind of loose way, and we're afraid to really approach it. But I say, no, we gotta approach it full on. We have to know, if that happens, what are you gonna do? People are superstitious about this. They don't want to think about that because they think it's going to induce the outcome. I don't believe in that at all. Unless you're actually practicing it, like you're really visualizing over and over again, doing it in a, in a way that's unhelpful. So what I do with athletes and what I do with people is I say, no, we're practicing for you doing it right, but we're also imagining things not going right outside of your control and how you're going to deal with it and more how you're going to deal with it internally. If people go off course in a particular behavior, meaning they have a micro failure, they have a lapse. Say I'm trying to not yell at work, and then I yell. It's much more likely that I'm gonna say, well, screw it, I'm abandoning my goal. But if I plan ahead of time and say, of course I'm gonna yell one time, that's gonna happen, and if I do, here's how I'm gonna get back on track. So we can set the diet, the exercise, or the business goal. We can even set the habits, processes, and rituals which underpin it. But what if we grab that solitary beer or glass of wine in a moment of weakness? The pristine ideal of the whole of dry January was that no alcohol shall pass my lips or pollute my liver within 30 days. And now I've failed. It's over. So I may as well confess to my mates on WhatsApp, pay them the money on the sweepstake and get pissed to mourn my lack of self-discipline and self-control. But if the real intent after a month's binging in the festive period was to have a much healthier month and to practice some self-control and give your liver a break, then one drink doesn't have to ruin all of that. So maybe the goal is drier January rather than dry January. 
Is that more realistic as a way of thinking about it to help you to get back on track and make those good choices right through to the end of the month rather than completely falling off the wagon? We're all fallible humans trying to do our best. So just have the view of getting back to that positive intention and doing your best. If you have a setback, just see it that you've failed once. We can restart those chains and choices together, linking them together one day at a time to rebuild that healthy month, even though we've had one setback. This isn't about a binary goal and a perfect failure. It's all about striving and failing forwards towards that bigger goal. So let's go a little bit easy on ourselves and just try and finish the month well and, and build that out into the coming weeks as well. We just need to be a little bit more flexible around these goals. And don't be threatened by the Instagram stars who say they're getting up at 4.30 and, and doing the ice baths and everything else. That's what they want to do. That's absolutely fine. They might well be eating a bag of pork scratchings, but they're just never going to post that on Instagram. So no one's perfect, so don't fall for that. So writing these episodes always forces me to think about a clear list that I can create to help you visualise on your dog walk or scribble down on the notepad next to your desk. So maybe if I've been trapped outside the party, I need to break free of the shackles. So to get my 2022 on track, I'll be thinking about the acronym FREE, F-R-E-E for my goals. So the first F is fresh air. For me, it's all about daily walks. I've got a wonderful dog, Severus, uh, that is my habit hound that's going to keep me accountable for this. So that's definitely, um, you know, important for me and always has been actually for the last few years. But I think the tweak for me, especially in the winter in the UK, is that the sunlight is a premium. So I used to finish work five, six o'clock and then go with him in the dark. But actually, I'm going to go earlier in the day before about four-ish so that uh, I can get that sunlight, which I think is going to be really important. So that's the F. So the R is realistic and it's all about these choices and, and going easy on yourself, I guess. So I've got these good disciplines, uh, you know, where I want to change some of my behaviours and habits, but I'm going to aim for a 90% sort of compliance and discipline rate. And if I do break the chain on a particular day, then I'm going to try and start that again, as we've just been talking about. Go back to the next meal, go back to the next opportunity to exercise and start the chain again and try and build that up over a period of days rather than just chastising myself and thinking that I've failed. So don't burn the chain, just start it again. And uh, let's make sure those good choices link up to those bigger lifestyle goals. Another tweak that I noticed was I wasn't drinking enough fluid, especially in the winter. I tend to just drink warm drinks, teas and coffees and stuff through the day. But actually just getting some more water on board is really, really important to focus and concentration. But again, you know, loads of well-being blogs and experts are saying gallons and gallons of water. And I feel like I'm drowning through the day. But being realistic, I've bought this big uh, drinks bottle with gradations up the side so if I can get through one and a half or two of those through the day then that'll be great uh, you know realistic as a goal there and also I've set some personal and, and team goals that I think are a bit more realistic for us as a business at Sporting Edge so that'll help as well so then the E the first E of the free acronym is about being conscious about my daily energy and just being aware of it I think is is most important because I mentioned at the beginning about that sort of 
insidious creeping that that you get this sort of energy being drained out of you so I think just being aware of it each day trying to give myself a score in the morning um, making sure that I understand whether I'm fizzing and buzzing with energy or I'm flat I'm definitely trying to you know do my exercise first thing in the morning as well uh, regular listeners will know that uh, you know I'm always out on a dog walk but also like a run as well if I can so get that in before uh, the kids go to school um, and then also just understanding when I need need to peak for my day. So sometimes I'm running a corporate webinar for some of our clients in the US and that might be starting actually at, at sort of four or five o'clock in the UK time. So, you know, it's hard to sustain your energy and then peak at that particular time. So it might be a quieter morning um, or other days it might be the opposite, you know, doing something, um, you know, with Australasia or the Far East um, or meetings in the UK and that starts at nine or ten o'clock so uh, just understanding the demands of the, the day from an energy perspective and making sure that I'm also not draining my energy at the back end of the day doom scrolling on social media which probably would have extended my bedtime by about 40 minutes I reckon um, and giving me nothing in return if I'm being honest so sleep and downtime are reprioritized as uh, really key things, not nice to have. And I think that will help to top up the energy as we go through the next month. And also the final E of my free solution uh, is enjoyment. And again, I think I probably became a little bit of a hermit. Dark nights, enforced lockdowns, uh, families keeping very close so that uh, we didn't get infected with COVID ahead of seeing families and whatever and friends um, before Christmas. So definitely proactively booking more fun times with my mates, walking, talking, having a few beers and catching up, just getting out for a bit of a laugh, getting out of the cave, maybe watching some sport, climbing some hills and definitely sharing some laughs. Um, this is such, such an important part for me. Uh, so I need to put that into my diary and make sure it's there through the year, as I mentioned, rather than that binge of uh, hard work and then recovery in one block. I'm going to build those out through the months so that I've got lots to look forward throughout the year. So I hope these personal strategies give you some ideas about your own goals and resolutions for this year and I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. In a way it's an anti-podcast offering some different perspectives to those covering the constant striving needed for high performance. I guess my point is that we still need plans and goals and we still need the discipline but we can't expect to be perfect and our discipline to be bulletproof in such challenging times. So go easy on yourself and think of it like each day we're building and putting another brick towards building that dream house over time. The last thing we want to do is burn the whole house down that we've already created in a fit of temper because we've misplaced one brick or had one bad day. So keep some balance and perspective and then we're much more likely to stay on track. I've added the links to our members club and the article that I mentioned in the show notes below the episode. So please click through to those if you want to learn more. And most importantly, thanks so much for taking the time to listen today and for sharing the show. I really hope that we can create some useful content for you and your network this year. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Mind of Champions. Connect with Jeremy's LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram links in today's show notes to receive the latest insights from his work. 
If you'd like to get access to Sporting Edge's digital library or book Jeremy for a conference speech or webinar, then please visit www.sportingedge.com or email hello at sportingedge.com.